Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. I'm so blessed to be with you. My name is Jeff Figgs. I pastor Calvary Greeley in northern Colorado. And always so glad that I can be a part of your lives uh, here on Calvary Live. So at this hour, I would just encourage you. I would uh, invite you to give us a call. The call-in number you just heard is 303-690-3000. So call with your questions and your prayer requests, and let's talk about the Lord. It's a blessing for us to do that. Maybe you're in traffic right now coming home from school or uh, from work, or uh, maybe you're just at home uh, making a snack for the kids, and maybe at work as you're finishing your day or uh, maybe you're out on the county roads of rural Colorado and southern Wyoming or uh, in the middle of traffic in the um, area of Denver and Aurora. We just want to invite you. Give us a call. We're so blessed to come together, to be able to uh, just encourage each other, to pray for one another, to ask those questions, search the Word of God together. And so, again, we invite you to call in at 303-690-3000 is the call-in number, and there is a dedicated text line, and that number is 720-336-0897. I'll repeat those numbers throughout the hour, but I would encourage you to put those two numbers, the call-in number and the text line, in your favorites and in your contacts, and you can just pull them right up whenever you want to be a part of the show. Uh, the text line is a 24-7 text line that you can um, text a, a um, uh, question or a prayer request, and those at Calvary Church in Aurora uh, will look at that, and they will pray for you. They will be in contact with you. I think that's so neat, and so take advantage of that. We need to be praying for one another, especially in the days that are before us. So 303-690-3000, that's a call-in number, and just love for you to call in. This is your show. This is your opportunity to call in. You have been blessed by listening to Christian radio, good teaching uh, on Grace FM and other Christian radio stations throughout the country, and uh, maybe a question came up, uh, and maybe your Bible reading, your own devotions, a question has come up, and I can almost guarantee that the question that you asked, that maybe somebody else is thinking the same thing. So let's go to the Word of God to get clarity and understanding, 303-690-3000, all lines are open, and we will go to the phone lines as soon as we're able to. want to welcome all the Grace FM listeners along the Front Range in Colorado, up into southern Wyoming. It is another scorcher. Uh, we look outside, the smoke, the haze. Uh, I pray that you're healthy uh, as you navigate through all that. It's hard to exercise outside with all the heat and and the smoke as well that uh, makes it difficult. But um, we are looking for cooler weather this week. We need to be praying for rain. We need to be praying also for 
those who are on the front lines of these fires. We're going to do that sometime in the show. So welcome, Grace FM listeners. You're listening live today on this Monday afternoon at 4 o'clock. But I also want to welcome those who are listening on Truth and Hope FM, other maybe perhaps Christian radio stations that have picked up Calvary Live. So glad to be a part of your lives and to be uh, able to uh, just bless you and to talk with you as well. So welcome, and uh, online listeners throughout the country, even uh, we have those who are on the website of Grace FM uh, that are listening in different parts of the world. We're so grateful for that. We have one that I see from New Zealand, from South Africa, uh, Ukraine. Welcome. So blessed to have you join us. Uh, Pray that you're doing well. Uh, You know, the body of Christ is one, isn't it? And you really sense that even when you go to different places like South Africa or you go to uh, Europe, uh, to the Far East, the Middle East, wherever it might be, to South America, to Central America, and you may not speak the same language, the culture is different, but instantly there is a bond between Christians, and that bond is found in Jesus Christ. And what I pray and hope for us is that as we in the church here, in your local church, that that is something that is a priority, that we come together, we can love each other, pray for each other, be patient with one another, and uh, see it as a real privilege to be a part of the body of Christ. And it's a very special thing. It's a very unique thing. We, we are a holy habitation. We are living stones being fitted together, and we are a uh, royal priesthood, as Peter writes, and uh, we've been brought out of the darkness into his marvelous light. And so never take for granted the body of Christ. And so grateful to be with you. So got an open line, 303-690-3000. We're going to go ahead and go to Sylvia in Greeley. Hi, Sylvia. How are you, Sylvia? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing good. You're on Calvary Live. Oh, yeah. Um, So I was just wondering if you could do a prayer. I just lost a couple of uncles and an aunt in Texas due to COVID. And also, um, my husband just got put in a kidney transplant list. He's doing okay right now. I just keep praying to God that he stays healthy for the moment. And uh, that my daughter stays healthy from the COVID as well, because she's also disabled. And also for my whole family, uh, close and far and afar. Absolutely. And Sylvia, I want to say I'm so sorry for your loss. And for those who are listening that have lost those through COVID, and um, and there has been a number of people that have lost loved ones. But Father, I do pray for Sylvia. She's lost some family members in Texas, two uncles and an aunt to COVID. And uh, Lord, we just pray for her and her family during this time of loss, that you would bring comfort, that you would bring um, Lord, just strength to them because the grieving process is very real and it's very difficult. And Lord, we know that your word tells us that you are the God of comfort who comforts us in all of our tribulations. And with the comfort in which we receive, we can comfort others. So I pray that you'd help Sylvia as she's going through her own grieving to be able to minister to her family there in Texas. And then also her husband who is Uh, on a kidney transplant list. I just pray that, Lord, that you would work in a way to where he could receive that, Uh, just work in a way to where, uh, Lord, that uh, her family um, here in Colorado and 
uh, all of her family, that you keep them safe, put a hedge of protection around them uh, from the COVID, uh, from other things, Lord, uh, as she's concerned for them. I just pray that you would work uh, in providing for Sylvia's husband and uh, that he would be able to come to to Lord his health, uh, be restored through a transplant that he needs. So, Lord, we just ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. You bet, Sylvia. Keep us in, keep us, uh, in touch, okay? Stay in okay, touch. Okay, I will. I listen to All you right. daily, and I pray to God every day. So he is hearing us. Yes, he is. And he cares for you, Sylvia, and he cares for your family. So God bless yes. you. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. You bet. When somebody hangs up, there is an open line. Grab one of those open lines. Love to talk to you. Love to pray with you. Here today on Calvary Live, this is Jeff Figgs again with Calvary Chapel in Greeley. And uh, just love being able to minister to you. I see it as a privilege, see it as an honor every time I have opportunity to be able to just speak the Word of God, to be able to encourage people in the Lord. Uh, We're going to go to Longmont where Jeremy has been waiting. Hi, Jeremy. Jeremy? Good. How are you, Jeremy? Yeah, I'm pretty good. My, I just had a question. My question was, uh, I was listening to a sermon by Tony Clark today, and he, met, he was in uh, Revelation 6, and mm-hmm. he talked about uh, people, this is after the rapture, said that people who are still left, uh, unbelievers, but if they've heard the gospel before and rejected it, that God will allow delusion to go in their mind. So I just heard that, and I'm not sure what that exactly means. Well, there's been different thoughts on that, and one of the things that we know that I believe that the rapture of the church is going to take place before Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6 through 19 is that period called the tribulation period, or more formally, Daniel's 70th week, that final seven-year period where God is pouring out his wrath on a Christ-rejected world, right prior to the second coming when we will come back with him. So for the the sake of the listeners, um, Jeremy, because a lot of people, this is new in time prophecy in these questions that you're asking. The rapture of the church is when Jesus comes for his church, and I believe that that will take place before the tribulation period. Jesus said, Be the wise and faithful servant that is looking for the master's return, for he comes at a time that you do not know. And uh, so it can, we don't know the day or the hour, but it will take place. Also, um, that um, as the tribulation starts, we know that there's the rise of the Antichrist, right? Well, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, we know that Paul talks about when the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, sign, and line wonders, with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. For this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. So there's this delusion that's spoken about in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that, that Paul mentions. In chapter 2, that chapter, you might go back and read that, that he's talking about the rapture of the church. They thought that they had missed it. Um, they thought that they were in the tribulation period, and uh, we don't have time to go over all of it, but it's a good study for you to do. And he says that, you know, you don't have to be shaken in mind as though the day of Christ has come. 
for that day won't come. That is the day of the Lord, which speaks of the tribulation period. It won't come until the man of sin is revealed. So that which restrains is going to restrain um, until uh, he is taken out of the way, speaking of the church. So the church is the restraining factor. We know that there's going to be a false church in the tribulation period. We know that the Antichrist is going to come along and eventually proclaim himself as God in the temple of God to be worshipped as God. So there is this strong delusion. I believe that Second Thessalonians chapter 2, speaking of that strong delusion, is going to be that the Antichrist is the Messiah. The Antichrist is God to worship him. So does that mean that in the, the tribulation period, let's say that I witness to somebody, uh, somebody who doesn't believe, I've been witnessing to a family member, the rapture happens. And all of a sudden they find themselves that they're going to be in the tribulation period. Does that mean that they can't be saved? That's what people ask. Um, and they ask, is there no hope of salvation? I don't see that in the book of Revelation. I do see that there's going to be a great uh, multitude that's going to come to the Lord, Revelation chapter 7. Out of every tribe, tongues, people, and nation, the 144,000 that are going to uh, go out and evangelize, and there's going to be a revival that's going to take place. What I do see, and Jeremy, this is where you got to kind of uh, we got to put our thinking caps on. And what I do see is that in the tribulation period in chapter 14 of the book of Revelation, that there's going to be three angels that are going to fly across the earth. One of those angels is going to give the everlasting gospel. The other one is going to say, do not take the mark of the beast. Don't take the mark of the Antichrist, because if you do, then there's no hope of salvation. So I do see that in the book of Revelation, but but a person who's heard the gospel, perhaps as they move into the tribulation period that there's no hope of salvation or they won't be saved, a lot of them will be given over to delusion. But the I don't see where it says that there's no hope of salvation for those who had rejected the gospel, rejected the gospel, and then all of a sudden, wow, what my brother said, what the pastor said, what... You know, this religious guy at work said is true. The rapture did happen, that they can't give their lives over to the Lord. Do you you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was working, and I think I might have misheard something there. That one word might have changed the whole meaning of my head. But, you know, Jeremy, I've gotten that question before. I've gotten that question of, you know, there's. um, I heard a teaching that, if you rejected the gospel and you go into the tribulation period, there's no hope of salvation. It tells us in Revelation chapter 14 that if you take the mark of the beast, then there's no hope of salvation. But I don't see where you know it says that I rejected the gospel and then go into the tribulation period. It's going to be a lot harder because those who come to Christ are going to be martyred. So I've had people—I don't know if you have had people say— oh, you know, um, I'll see if this is all true. If the rapture happens, then I'll give my life to the Lord. I'll give my heart to the Lord. It's a bad move, you know. Use your head. Don't lose your head because that's what's going to happen. You're going to get, you know, be beheaded. 
So now's the time to make a decision, because if you can't make a decision now for the Lord, how much harder it's going to be when we get into the tribulation period. But there is going to be a large revival that's going to take place out of every tribe, tongues, and people, and I see that. And so I got to leave it where the Scripture says that. There is going to be strong delusion, but we will see that. Thank you very much. I was just main thought. I was just thinking about my dad, who's not a believer. So, yeah, that's thanks for answering my question. Sorry, I lost you there, Jeremy. What did you say? Oh, I'm sorry. I just said thank you for my question. Okay. All righty. Hopefully that helps. But look at those chapters and those verses. Okay. All right. Good question. Good question. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Give me a call. This is Jeff Figgis with uh, Calvary Live here today, taking your questions and your prayer requests. The text line is 720-336-0897. I think what I'm seeing is we have two open lines, but uh, grab one of those open lines. I would encourage you. Maybe you got a question about the return of the Lord, the rapture of the church, uh, whatever it may be, and uh, we'd love to look at Scripture and answer those questions for you. Let's go to Josh in Aurora. Hello. Hi, Josh. How are hey, you? Hey, Pastor. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing good. So I had a question. Um, I was actually wondering, like, if the Book of Enoch was a legit book of the Bible that got left out, or what is up with that? And the reason I'm asking is because if it is, I want to read it. But if it's not, I'm just trying to discern whether I should take the time to read it or not. You know, it's interesting. That comes up a lot, uh, the book of Enoch, and people say, well, we should read it. And, you know, why isn't it in the scriptures? And, um, you know, Enoch, for the sake of the listeners, is uh, in the book of Genesis. He's the seventh from Adam. Um, and we know that um, he was real, and he ended up being raptured up into heaven. And um, I, I think that uh, the way I treat the book of Enoch and, and the other books like it is the same manner as we do with other, uh, 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 proc, you know, uh, you know, other writings. Some of the prophets they call it says that it's true and correct, but at the same time, much of it is false historically and is inaccurate historically. It's what I understand. I'll be honest with you, I've never read it. Um, I think that you can read them, but I don't read them as Scripture. We have the canon of Scripture, 66 books, and here's the thing. You can read it, but those who say, well, we need to be studying it and studying it in, in church, I got 66 books of the Bible to study. And there's plenty in that to be looking at and studying that is the inspired author, authoritative Word of God. And and I don't treat the Book of Enoch as that. That makes sense. That's kind of the answer I, I was looking for. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's part of the Apocrypha, you know, uh, writings. Um, but there has been what I understand— um, some inaccuracy historically in it, and um, and and that's that's a problem, and uh, so that's why it was not in the Bible. There are others that quote, you know, say that it should be in the Bible, but 
I don't treat it that way. I got 66 books that are going to keep me busy enough. And there's other books like The Gospel According to Thomas and things like that that people really get into. I just want to encourage all our listeners, read the Bible. There's enough there in the Bible to keep us busy, the inspired Word of God that we can trust and look at. That's what I've been doing. My children and I have been reading through the whole entire Bible together, just out loud, just taking turns reading. We're in Ezra right now, but uh, we're making our way through. I've read a lot through the Bible, you know, like just in life. You know, you go to church, and church takes you to all different places in the Bible, but I've never read it from cover to cover, so we're trying to do that. Yeah, That is so cool. Keep doing that, and you're going to see that the Word of God is just going to come alive and really just touch your heart, Josh, and touch your children's heart as well. Yeah, totally. I know that he will. Um, You know, God put me in a place when I first moved to Colorado where I didn't have anywhere else to turn but him. I grew up in a household, you know, with a mom that was sold out for God, still is, prays for me every single day, even though I'm 40 still. She's still praying for me every day. Um, And, you know, God showed me that he was real through putting me in my place, which the people listening out there, like, don't make him have to do that if you don't have to, but he will if he needs to. But he put me there, and through that, he made a way for every single thing that I could possibly need, me and my family. Um, you know, all the things that people think that God can do with physical things, with money, a house, all those type of things, he did all those things through prayer. And he showed me yeah. how real he was. Not that I didn't believe he was real, but, like, there's no doubt in my mind now. I mean, through my life, you know, I've seen people pray in church and have things answered, you know, and I think most people kind of look at that as coincidence, you know, um, until it happens to you, and then God's like, I'm here. So he showed me he was real. So I'm thankful for that. I'm blessed. He is real. Good. But I have the opportunity. His... God gave me the opportunity to get to that point. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't Amen. get there. But uh, He's yeah. real. He's real. <laughs> and you know what? You were talking, it reminded me of what Jeremiah 32 says. The Lord says, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me, Jeremiah? And the answer, there isn't. He works in yeah. our lives. And, you know, there's no one that's beyond salvation, and he desires to show himself to be real for those who really honestly come and seek him. So, hey, appreciate your call, Josh. Keep yeah, teaching those little so ones, all right? God bless right. you. God bless you. Thank you. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. We have, I know, an open line, and uh, the text line is 720 Sometimes people, they really want to focus on the book of Enoch. It's not in the canon of Scripture uh, for reasons that we just uh, discussed. And, uh, you know, it's uh, part of the Apocrypha is what I was trying to say. And, um, you know, it, there's others that are as well. And uh, so it's, um, you know, it's not in there for certain reasons, uh, fallible, historical um, you know, inaccuracies, uh, not as um, considered the inspired, authoritative Word of God. So you can read it, but study your Bible. you got 66 books of the Bible. Study that, read that, and you'll be fine. So, hey, thanks, Josh. Appreciate it. God bless you. We are going to continue with the phone lines, and uh, we got an open line, so grab it, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Robert and Thornton. Or Roberta, sorry. Yeah, Hi, Roberta. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. Um, <laughs> I, had a, I had a question. 
It was sort of related to uh, a call you did uh, two calls ago. And um, on the timeline of end time events, and you had mentioned the tri- the rapture is going to happen before the tribulation, and or it was your belief that that was what was going to happen and that you thought Scripture supported that. But I wondered where that thousand years where Jesus, uh, where um, the devil is going to be held back and Jesus will reign completely without any influence of the devil. When is that going to happen? Yeah, that's a good question. So the timeline is, as we've kind of talked, is there'll be the rapture of the church, I believe, before the final seven-year period. And I think it's... it's um, it's important for Christians as they read about the, you know, coming of the Lord, that there is two distinct events. And in the scripture, Jesus talks about in all of it, discourse that I come at a time that you do not know. And one of the reasons that I believe that the rapture will take place before the tribulation period, Jesus said that I come in an hour you do not know. Um, I come when you're least expected. So be watching, be waiting, uh, be vigilant. So he's going to come at a time, no one knows the day or the hour of the rapture of the church. Now, when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ, when he comes literally, physically, we will come back with him, as Revelation chapter 19 tells us, uh, that he will come back and he will touch down on the Mount of Olives. Zechariah tells us that the Mount of Olives will heave in half and he will restore the nation of Israel, he will establish his kingdom for a thousand years. That starts the millennium reign spoken of in Revelation chapter 20. And in Revelation chapter 20, as you read that chapter, and I'm going to read these verses to you as I get there, that we know that Satan is bound up for most of that time. That I saw an angel, John writes, coming down from heaven, having put the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand, And he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil, and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him in the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so he should not deceive the nations no more until that thousand years was finished. So Satan's going to be bound up for a thousand years, no longer deceiving the nations, uh, no longer a hindrance. And then Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign for a thousand years. It's going to be a glorious, glorious time. And then what is interesting, uh, Roberta, is that at the end of the thousand years, as you continue to read that chapter, and you can read it, that Satan's going to be let out for a short time. And he's going to lead this last rebellion against the Lord. And what amazes me is as he leads that rebellion, um, that uh, it says that, um, that he was released from his prison, He goes out to the nations to deceive them. And there were those who came who followed him as the number of the sand of the sea. In other words, think about this, Roberta. Here is Jesus ruling and reigning, and he's going to rule with a rod of iron, Psalm 2 says. It's going to be an enforced righteousness, but people are going to be born during the millennium reign. And all of a sudden, they're going to be given a choice. They are living in the millennium reign where there's peace, where the lion lays down with the lamb, where the child will play with the serpent and not be hurt, where there's no more wars, 
we have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that is with us in Jerusalem, and people join in that rebellion at the end of the uh, the millennium reign. They choose to, you know, join Satan in this rebellion. That amazes me. It just shows the hardness of men's heart at times. So he will crush that rebellion, and then we know that he will be then Satan thrown into the lake of fire. So that's what all this talks about in that chapter, the timeline. And then after the millennium reign, the heavens and earth pass away as we now know it. The great white throne judgment will take place where unbelievers will be judged, and then he'll create a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem and will dwell with him forever and ever the last two chapters of the Bible. So that's the timeline. All right, we hear the music. Thank you, Roberta. Appreciate it. Hey, we got an opportunity for you to call. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. This is Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado. So blessed to be with you. We got a couple open lines, so give me a call at 303-690-3000. And let's talk about the things of the Lord, and let's be encouraged in the Word of the Lord, and strengthen, and get clarity and understanding. We also take this time to pray for you as we take your prayer requests, so I'd love to be able to do that for you and with you. And uh, so give me a call, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text line is 720-336-0897. we got plenty of time for you to call in, and we'd love for you to call in, and, and we'll have that conversation. So welcome, everyone, tuned in to Calvary Live today. I do have a quick announcement that I want to make. Uh, one is that uh, we've been doing uh, outdoor services, even though we've had the sanctuary open for people to come because it's been a hot summer and uh, in the coffee shop. But we're going to bring everything pretty much inside on uh, Labor Day weekend, which is a week from this Sunday. We're going to go back to our three morning services, 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock. And we're going to have the classes, children's ministry and nursery, that we're going to open up. It's the first time in almost six months that the kids have had classes. But we want to get them back in, into the classroom. So... If you want to uh, be a part of those services as we come back inside starting on Labor Day weekend, uh, you can register for that starting next week for a service and to register your kids for the classroom because we got just a limited number of space and we're going to do that for a while. And uh, so I'd love to have you join us, 8, 9, 30, 11 o'clock. You can check everything out. We'll have the all that information for you on Calvary Chapel Greeley. That's one word, dot org, O-R-G is the website. And then also Wednesday nights, we are doing an online uh, services through the book of Jeremiah. Many people have been listening to that, been encouraged. It's an incredible book. So we invite you to join us at 7 o'clock on Wednesday nights, the online service, as I'm going through the book of Jeremiah. Very relevant for us today. 
in the things that uh, we're seeing going on around us in our nation, as Jeremiah called the weeping prophet, was weeping over a nation that was dying spiritually, that was going to go into the Babylonian captivity. But it reminds us how much we need to be praying for our nation and how the Lord desires to work in our nation. And so I think you'll be encouraged. And and it's Jeremiah, as I've already quoted in the show today, the Lord says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, is anything too hard for me? No, it's not. And my promises are true, and I'm going to bring them to pass. And and such great encouragement that we also find in the book of Jeremiah. So uh, look on our website, calvarychapelgreeley.org. That's O-R-G for uh, all the latest information, things that are going on. So glad to be able to have in-person services this summer. It's been hot. People have come out in the heat. Uh, but they are so thankful that uh, we have the place to be able to do that uh, in the grass in the backyard. And we're going to uh, just start bringing everything in as we head into fall and so grateful that we can do that. So be praying for us. Be praying for your pastors as uh, we have, um, you know, just uh, different, uh, you know, things that pastors have to decide and and all of that, and so be praying for them and encourage them every way that you can. Hey, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Let's go to Dave in Highlands Ranch. Hi, Dave. How you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for holding. Oh, sure. Um, you know, as believers, you know, we believe that the Jewish people are the chosen people and play an important role in, in end times, especially, you know, with Jesus, uh, you know, his feet touch the Mount of Olives when he returns. In, in looking for a church, um, we, we, it's hard to find a church that has a heart for Israel, and we're looking at a church, and the pastor, we've asked the pastor, and he's aware of Israel, but he doesn't seem to have the heart for Israel. And, and uh, Is there any kind of a reference material or a book or a tape series to help this pastor realize the significance of Israel, you know, the 144,000 and, and so forth? Well, I think, first of all, the Bible is the the priority of it. You know, here's the thing when you said and when you talked to him, um, that does he believe that Israel plays an important role in the last days? But what you're seeing, Dave, in churches today is that a lot of pastors do not teach on the end times. They don't teach on 144,000. They don't teach on the restoration of Israel as we're going through the book of Jeremiah on Wednesday nights, I was just uh, announcing that there's whole chapters in there on how God's going to restore Israel, how he's going to keep his promise with them. So Israel is the epicenter, the focal point of end-time prophecy, and we need to be watching Israel. So I think that if you have a heart for end-time prophecy, have a heart for the return of the Lord, you're going to have a heart for Israel, what God is doing, because they are, again, they are the focal point of end-time prophecy. So, you know, those kinds of things you're looking at. But the problem is, is a lot of churches, and I I talk to, to Christians, not only here on the radio, but they call me, they email me, they say, our pastor, he doesn't talk about end time prophecy. He doesn't talk about the rapture. He doesn't talk about you know, the coming of the Lord. They don't talk about the millennium reign. And matter right. of fact, there are several pastors, and, and and it seems to be a growing trend, that adopt replacement theology. They believe that the church is Israel and that God is through with the Jewish people 
And we know the Bible says otherwise. Matter of fact, uh, in Jeremiah, the Lord said, will I cast away my people? He said, you know, when you can understand the, the length of the universe, when you can understand the depths of the earth, when, you know, there's no day or night. In other words, he said, no, I will never cast away my people. Paul comes along in Romans chapter 11, and he says, has God cast away his people? He says, certainly not. It's the strongest terms. And he talks about the future of Israel at that time, and he says the day will come when all of Israel will be saved. There are certain events that cannot happen. You've already mentioned some of them, that unless Israel is a nation once again, the 144,000, 12 tribes from, you know, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, there's going to be a rebuilt temple in Jerusalem. You know, none of these things can happen unless there's the nation of Israel brought back into the land. The fulfillment of Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, you know, all those things. It has to take place when there's a nation once again. And the Lord says once he brings them back into the land, then he's not going to pluck them out again. And he's going to restore them and fulfill his promise to them. So I think having a love for end-time prophecy and desiring to see the Lord work, that you're going to have a love for Israel and God's promises to them, first of all. So there's you know good teachings you know uh, that you're listening on Grace FM, uh, other references, uh, to maybe perhaps uh, that will encourage him, but I think the key is you got to have a love for the return of the Lord. You got to have excitement for that. When we spoke of the nation of Israel, he wanted to know if that was a secular regrouping or a spiritual regrouping in 1948. Well, here's the thing most Jews are secular right now in Israel, uh, most of them aren't religious. Um, then you have the Orthodox Jews, but them coming back into the land, the Bible speaks about how there's going to be a physical nation once again. They're going to dwell the ancient cities once again. They're going to rebuild them. They're going to plant the land. They're going to dwell in the mountains of Israel. Uh, the Lord talks about that. At the end of the tribulation period, that's when spiritually that their eyes are going to be open. Even Jesus said that as he wept over Jerusalem, he said, you won't see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he's speaking of that time when Zacharias speaks about how their eyes will be opened. They will say to Jesus, where did you get those wounds? As he, they see the one whom they pierced. And Jesus will say, I got them in the house of my friends. But those are literal promises to a physical nation that's going to come into the land, and then we're going to see that they're going to be restored, and salvation is going to come to, uh, to Israel uh, when the Lord comes back, when they call out to him at the end of the tribulation period. Right, right. And we, we, we saw 1948 as a spiritual move, for sure. Well, what happens is, you know, and, you, you know, if you want a church that speaks about that, there's uh, sometimes people say, well, the church is Israel. You know, we're spiritual Israel. Or, you know, not that we've replaced Israel, but we are Israel. And that's not right. Israel is Israel. God has a plan for, you know, Israel, the Jewish nation, and he has a plan for the church. And salvation comes, and sometimes people get mixed up. They think, well, you know, the Jews are God's chosen people, does that mean that they're saved? Salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. So I don't adopt the dual covenant that the Jews are automatically saved. No. 
They are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says that blindness has come in part to Israel. Um, he he grieves over his brethren in chapters 9 and 10 of the book of Romans because they've sought to seek their own righteousness, not the righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So at that time, at the end of tribulation, that's when there's going to be a national restoration coming to faith in Jesus Christ. There are some that come to faith now. He said blindness has come in part, in part, not totally, but we know the last 2,000 years, some uh, have come to Christ, Jewish believers, but as a nation as a whole, they have continued to be in unbelief. And so chapters 9, 10, and 11 are important to understand there in the book of Romans, but um, it's amazing. I, I don't see how we can look at Israel today, how God has brought them into the land, 1948, as promised through the Scriptures, that they will come back after 2,000 years. That's an absolute miracle, Dave. That has not happened to any other group of people. To be out of a homeland for 2,000 years, all of a sudden come back, out of the, the, the ashes comes the beauty, as Isaiah says, out of the ashes of the Holocaust, they become a nation in 1948, and God has preserved them through overwhelming odds, their neighbors trying to destroy them. And what they have done to the land in 70 years, it's been 72, 73 years now since they became a nation, is absolutely incredible. We're seeing a partial fulfillment of Ezekiel 36 and 37 right before our very eyes. The ancient cities are being rebuilt. The land is being planted. I've been there several times. I've taken groups there. And to see what God is doing to prepare people is absolutely amazing. And to say that God is through with them, that this is a coincidence, um, man, it's, it's a miracle of God. And he's bringing his promise to pass to them. And that brings me good news because I know the promise that he gives to me, that it is true and that it is sure. And, and that brings me just great you know, joy to know that, that God's word is true. I asked a question about the 144,000, and the answer was, well, there were, there were 12 tribes in the Old Testament, and then the 12 apostles times 1,000, that equals the 144,000 of Revelation. Well, sometimes what happens is that some will interpret that the 144,000 are just a general number of believers. Um, I believe that they are Jewish men, just as the Bible says, um, that are sealed by God. I don't know how clear, more clear it can be. I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. And then verses 5, 6, and 7, and 8, he names the 12 tribes. That's pretty clear to me, of 12,000 of, of the tribe of Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Naphtali. It's not talking about the apostles. It's talking about those who are Jewish dis- descent. So, you know... Those are studies, you know, um, that, um, you know, that are very clear to us. And um, so, you know, I would just pray about it. And um, really, if you want to find a church um, that has a love for Israel, you're going to see a church that has a love for the return of the Lord. So would that preclude going to that church if they don't have a love for Israel, for us? I mean, we're, th- we're considering that church, but that's the weak point. Yeah, that's what that's between you and the Lord. You know, I don't want you to say, well, Pastor Jeff said don't go to that church. That's where you got to seek the Lord and where your convictions come. I know where my convictions would be. 
I couldn't go to a church that teaches replacement theology. I wouldn't go to a church that doesn't teach it on the end time prophecies. There are churches there, um, you know, in um, you know your your area that that do believe in end times. And um, there are some Calvaries there. I know you can be safe with Calvaries, but probably some other churches as well. So that's where you got to seek the Lord, Dave. Excellent. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Can I pray for you real quick? Sure. Thank you. Father, I pray for Dave. As he's there searching for a church, they, they have one that I'm sure the pastor loves the Lord and and teaches in the Bible. But, Lord, certain convictions about Israel and, and end times that, that Lord of Dave and uh, doesn't feel like that that is um, something that lines up with what he reads in the Bible, what the Bible teaches, that you would just guide them and direct them wherever you would have them to go. So, Lord, uh, you speak to him, um, and, Lord, that you would just guide him and his family in every way, in Jesus' way, name, amen. You bet. God bless you. Hey, 303-690-3000. We got an open line. Let's go to Richard in Denver. Hey, Pastor, how you doing? Good. How are you, Richard? Doing all right. First, I pray the Lord, our God, for touching your lips to give you this ability to teach. It's really, really beautiful, and I appreciate it very, very much. I appreciate your prayers. Man, that's why I'm calling for my brother on praying. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a little confused on praying. Um, Jesus tells us, he talks about when you pray, you should pray, Our Father who art in heaven. And then he, he also, from what I'm reading, it says, Don't babble. And then when I read Paul's letters, he's praying continuously. Mm-hmm. So, and then I, I'm confused on the faith part. You pray one time, and you just pray to faith the Lord's going to handle it, and you don't pray again? Does that sound yeah. kind of confusing to you? No, because, Richard, I think as you, you look at the Scriptures, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talked about prayer. We went over that in um, you know, our studies of Matthew on Sunday mornings. Um, it's interesting. The disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray. They didn't ask him teach us to work miracles or to teach a you know incredible sermon. Teach us to pray, and Jesus he shows that model of prayer being a priority in his life. But when he talks about prayer, the model for prayer, he says when you pray, don't use vain repetitions as the heathens do. That's in verse seven, and then in verse nine he says, pray in this manner: Our Father who art in heaven, how you be that name. There's nothing wrong with repeating your prayers. He's talking about vain repetitions. You know, to re, you know, vain repetitions of praying with many words, thinking that you're going to be heard. The Lord desires for us to just come with our hearts and to pray. I pray for people over and over again. I pray for my kids over and over again. We had a caller, he said that he has a parent that is continually praying for him, and he's in his 40s. So repetition isn't wrong. What Jesus is saying is vain repetition, that, you know, as as the heathens pray, you know, thinking that you're going to be heard. So that's number one. Second of all, he wants us to consistently be praying and coming to him. He talks about a parable of a widow that came to to a judge and 
kept coming to him and asking him uh, for favor. And and it shows us that the Lord desires for us to come and ask and ask. Jesus said, ask, please ask that your joy may be full. So there's nothing wrong with repeating prayer, okay? I pray for my kids every single day. I pray for those in the church every single day. I pray for certain things repeatedly over and over again. It's vain repetition that Jesus is saying, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that. And, um, you know, even like the Our Father, I grew up in the Catholic Church where we were told you say 10 Our Fathers, you know, when you go to confession, confession, you know, and I could say it, Our Father who art in heaven, how you be thy name, you know, it was just vain repetition to me. It wasn't from my heart. You know, it wasn't something that I, I just spoke it without even thinking about it. So that's what Jesus is talking about. But you pray and you keep praying and it's okay to keep going back to the Lord, praying for that person, uh, that request, um, asking for wisdom. Uh, we need to keep doing that because he says he'll give it to us. And sometimes the Lord has us waiting on him. And that's not always easy. So Isaiah chapter 30, as we... Yes, I understand yeah. that part big time. So it's yeah. okay then if I'm in a... Say I'm going in my story right now, I'm going through a situation in life and I could continue praying about it, about for the help and for the others who are involved and stuff, not just one-shot deal, which I really appreciate this help, Pastor. Yeah, you know, keep praying. I pray for situations, people, for the church... And I'm going to keep praying, but it's what he's talking about is vain, that which is vain repetition. And when you're praying for people, why are you praying for them? You're praying for them because you care about them and you have a heart for them. So just give the Lord your heart and he's going to honor that and hear that. Very much, sir. Pastor, you bet. I thank you very, very much for that. <laughs> you're, in, you're welcome. You call anytime, Richard. Life will get back to somewhat normal again for us. <laughs> keep praying. Keep praying. You know, it's been a long haul, hasn't it? All right, 303-690-3000. Ivan has been patiently waiting from Denver. Hi, Ivan. Hello, Pastor. Good afternoon. How are you? Okay, I've got a question that I talked to you about a couple of weeks ago. Uh, briefly, mm-hmm. I talked to you about uh, who was in hell. Uh, you know, I talked to you about uh, how Lucifer was on earth and that he wasn't going to be cast into the lake of fire until uh, Jesus cast him there uh, through revelations. And uh, you, you told me that the people, when they die now, they either go to heaven uh, through the grace of God or they go to hell or Hades. Okay, and I, I talked about how when Christ died, he was crucified, and he went down to Hades, and there was two sides of Hades. There was the uh, the bosom of uh, Abraham, and he preached to them, and he took them up to heaven, and they were mm-hmm. separated by the uh, the endless chasm where the, uh, the uh, evil uh, people were in Hades, and they were going to stay there for eternity. Is that correct? No, you almost got it. You're You're almost correct. So there, you know, before Jesus died for our sins, there were those who went on the one side, paradise or Abraham's bosom. That's what Luke chapter 16 is, is, is showing us as teacher taught, uh, as Jesus taught that. 
the chasm and then the side of the unrighteous dead. And so when Jesus died for our sins, it tells us that in Ephesians that before he ascended, he first descended. He told the thief on the cross that you'll be with me in paradise before the sun has set. So when Jesus breathed his last, he would go to Abraham's bosom and he would say, this is what you've been waiting for. The people in faith look forward to the cross, that I died for your sins. Because the Old Testament sacrifices only covered sin until Jesus Christ died for our sins once and for all. That's why the Old Covenant had to be replaced by the New Covenant. The Old Covenant, you know, the sacrificial uh, sacrifices of the animals wasn't enough. That's why they had to keep doing it over and over again. Every time you sin, you had to select an animal, bring it to the priest, and offer it as a sin offering or a trespass offering. Jesus, the book of Hebrews tells us, died once and for all. So he goes down, he he um, frees those down in, in uh, Abraham's bosom. Now, to be absent from the body, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, for a Christian is to be present with the Lord. We go directly to heaven because we look back to the cross. Those of the unrighteous dead that are in Hades, they are still there. So after the millennium reign of Jesus Christ, then the second resurrection, as the Bible calls it, they will be resurrected, and they will stand before the great white throne judgment, and then they will be cast into the outer darkness, into the lake of fire, and that's where they will spend eternities. They will be in the lake of fire. But right now, they're still in that holding chamber of the unrighteous dead, of Hades. Um, but they will stand at the great white throne judgment. We won't be there. We won't be at the great white You know, we may witness it, but we've already had our sins judged by Jesus Christ, who took our sins upon the cross. Those who stand at the great white throne judgment are going to be sentenced out of darkness um, because of their rejection. Now, I had a question come up, and I'm just going to add this since we're at the end of the show, that somebody texted in and said that I read in Romans 14 that we're all going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and that worries me. I didn't think we were going to stand at the judgment seat. That word that Paul uses in Romans 14 and also 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ. We as believers, when we go home to be with the Lord, there's going to be that time we will stand at the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ and be judged not for our sins, because Jesus took the penalty for our sins. He took the judgment for you and for me. But we are going to be judged what we have done in the body, whether good or bad, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In other words, there's rewards to be given for what we have done for Christ and the Bible talks about that. Jesus talked about the parable of the minas, the parable of the talents. Um, you know, um, he is going to come. There's rewards in his hands uh, at the end of the book of Revelation. So we're, we're going to be given rewards for what we have done for Christ in this life. And that's the Bema reward seat of Jesus Christ. So hopefully that kind of helps out, Ivan. Yeah, real quickly before you go, um, now, let's talk about, like, ghosts and demons and all that stuff. So are they the people that are in Hades, or are they part of the angels that fell with uh, with um, Lucifer? I think, personally, I think that 
you know, those things are demonic spirits. Uh, they're of the demonic realm of those who see spirits and, and demons and all of that. Um, and that's what I believe. There's no indication. You know, you remember that in that parable, Luke chapter 16, that it was um, the rich man that said, hey, can you send Lazarus back to warn my brothers? And what was the answer? No, they're not going to go back. So I believe there, there's the demonic realm that um, is, you know, out there present. And where did they come from? That is the fallen angels. Are they the, the demonic, fallen angels? Yeah, the fallen angels, demonic world. When Lucifer rebelled against God, Revelation chapter 12 gives us indication that a third of the angels followed him. So that's the demonic host. We know that Paul, when he writes in Ephesians chapter 6 about you know spiritual warfare, he says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. So there's a whole demonic realm that is out there. And uh, that is real. Okay. Okay, great. Yeah. Clears it up for me. Thank you. You bet, Ivan. God bless you. Good question. Call any time, okay? okay? Hey, we had a great... We've had a great show today. Thank you, everybody that's called. We had a busy day today. And, uh, man, just, I, you know, these questions are um, important to understand and... I'm so glad that hopefully it brought some clarity and understanding to you. Going to be back with you tomorrow. So think about a question you might want to ask, or if you got a prayer request, I'll be picking up the show tomorrow, Lord willing. Same time here on Calvary Live. God bless you. Hope you have a very wonderful evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.